Hello and welcome to Tell Me Where I'm Going. I'm Chris DeLuca, your host, your author, the writer in residence. We've got a big show. I say it's a show. It's, it's my writing. It's my chapters that I write for you, and you tell me how to resolve plot holes, and then I write those into the next chapter. It's, it's an improvised novel. That's my new hashtag. That's what I'm trying to get started. Improvised novel. Let's see, let's see if we can get that trending on Twitter. Hashtag improvised novel. I think that describes us. And it describes... Dis, well, it doesn't... Whatever I just said. It describes what we do. You know, I, I write something. I write a chapter. Our ongoing narrative, which might I remind you, is about the band The Traveling Wilburys in 1988 Solving Crime. We'll get to that in a minute. But this show is writing. And then I say, I don't know where to go from here. And then you tell me where to go. And then you vote on which of your compatriots' uh, ideas is the best. And which whoever gets voted the most, uh, that's the idea of where I take the story next. And I write the chapter based on that. It's a lot like long-form improv and... Uh, the suggestion that you give in the beginning of the show, or you get at the beginning of the show, except that this takes a lot longer. And you don't have to go anywhere. You can just sit here and plug it in your ears. So, we got that going for us. But anyway, I don't want to vamp too much. I know I'm doing it already. But we got a big show. Uh, big chapter. This is This is the result of two weeks of preparing... Uh, getting getting the right suggestion from you, the audience. Um, and uh, this is it. This is chapter six. And it's it's going to be great. Um, just to fill everyone in, for, to remind you, the last thing we, we, we saw was we cut back to the traveling wheelberries deep underground. They had stumbled across a cult. Um, and uh, we, before that, um, you know, there was... Uh, the, the other groupies, uh, who are they're all looking for Dixie, uh, they had stumbled across Martin Scorsese in another part of the, of the, the subterranean world, and, and, they, and, they, and they did drugs with him there. Crazy, crazy Studio 54 drugs. You'll have to go listen to it if none of this makes sense. But um, that was what was happening then, and uh, we cut back to the traveling Wilburys. We saw Dixie on the altar up there. It was, it, there she is. She's alive somehow. And... Uh, she sat up and in a clear voice she said, and that's what we're going to find out, you, the audience, suggested that line. What what did she say? And that line was, uh, well, you know what? Why don't you, why don't you hear? You'll hear it right in the beginning. You'll, 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 you'll hear it in a moment. Let's try that. Also, quick bit of business. Uh, the show is now on YouTube. So if you like your podcasts in video form, you can go listen to that because there's still it's just a image. There's no there's no video of me in my closet recording this. So anyway, it's very exciting. This is chapter six. Enjoy. Dixie sat up straight, pulling against her restraints, and in a clear voice said, All right, perverts, 
fun's over! The cultists quieted down, wearing shocked expressions. Clearly, they had not been expecting any outbursts. Then, the realization of what Dixie had actually said rolled over the crowd, and the cavern echoed with a swell of indignant muttering. Oh, she can't say we're perverted. That's a value judgment. Pervert? Really? She's one to talk, the kinky harlot. Yeah, we're not perverts. Now we have to start the ritual over. Now let's take it from the pouring the lamb's blood on our genitals. A cultist in the back stood, holding up a recruitment pamphlet. I am offended, madam! Some of us joined this sex cult for the articles! A pious round of hear-hears followed. Shut up, you hooded little creeps! Dixie hollered. Hey, you can't say that. I don't have a hood. Dixie ignored him, noticing the band. Oh my god! Is that the traveling Wilburys back there? Oh, I thought I'd never get to see you guys after that clown sliced me. But then again, I never thought I'd get sliced by a clown, so it just goes to show you. Oh, well, come on, guys, untie me! The crowd of cultists turned, parting ranks until the entire room was staring at Tom, George, Jeff, Bob, and Roy. The band shrunk back, worriedly glancing over the mostly hooded faces, not daring to move. Another cultist spoke up, peering over her glasses. No, come on, that's not the traveling Wilburys. We wanted them for a ritual for a long time, and these guys are way too old to be the Wilburys. The band frowned, vanity momentarily taking over their fear, except for Jeff Lynn, whose fear remained at an apex. He leaned into the lie. Well, that's right. We're not the traveling Wilburys, and we have, really, uh, no reason to be here. No, sir. Uh, no reason to put us in whatever ritual you have, sir. We're just lost travelers looking for a way out. Being travelers is just about the only thing us and the Wilburys have in common. You said it yourself. We're just too old to be the traveling Wilburys. I mean, look at us. We're ancient. And, and those guys are super young and relevant and amazing musicians and great in bed. But we're not any of those things. We're, we're older than dirt. We're older than dust. We're older than the Dust Brothers. Oh, that last one's true, said Tom Petty. Jeff Lynn continued. He was on a roll. We're older than rock and roll. We're older than the blues. We're older than music. We're so old, we think all music is a dangerous influence on the youth. Even opera. You know what? Especially opera. Look how much I'm rambling. That proves I'm old. We all are. I'm the youngest, though. The cultist who had spoken before rubbed her forehead, not in the mood to pick apart an old man's ramble. Yep, got it. You're not the traveling Wilburys. We need to get back to the ritual. So can someone show these losers the way out? Woohoo! Whooped Jeff Lynn, not hearing the part about being a loser. The rest of the band did, however, but grinned anyway. They were getting out. Liars! Liars! You, you traveling liarberries! Accused Dixie, spitting from her place tied to the altar. George Harrison looked guilty and was about to say something, but Jeff Lynn cupped a hand over his mouth and started hurting the band towards the exit. Well, thank you all for your wise decision. 
I pay no attention to her. <laughs> the sacrifices always flapping their gums, am I right? The cultists all chuckled in agreement, the sound mixing ominously with Dixie's scream of rage. What are you guys talking about? Eddie Money asked, genuinely confused. The Wilburys turned, having momentarily forgotten about Eddie. The musician and their former friend's cult robes did not paint a comforting picture. You are the traveling Wilburys. I've known you all for years. I saw you only a few hours ago. We were talking just now. Yeah, uh, none of us are spring chickens anymore. But you're not older than music. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Besides, none of that has anything to do with why you're here, which you all said several times was to rescue Dixie. Oh, really? Dixie yelled from the altar. Yeah, absolutely. Although, come to think of it, that does make you guys interlopers, technically speaking. So you should all probably stick around. The cultists growled obscenities at the Wilburys, pushing the band through their ranks toward the altar. You sold us out again, Eddie! yelled Tom Petty. First, you conveniently disappeared right before I got jumped by that clown, making up that lame excuse about having to brush your teeth, and now this? Eddie looked concerned. <coughs> oh my god, I didn't know you got jumped by that clown. I feel horrible. But I did have to brush my teeth, though. That dog breath is no joke, he said, gargling mouthwash before spitting it into his ceremonial goblet and the Wilburys were unceremoniously shoved onto the altar. Don't worry, lads, said George Harrison as they picked themselves up. We can take solace that we eventually didn't run away, so our comic debt is paid. Oh, wow. I'm so grateful. Maybe you can use your late break in morality to untie these knots. Dixie scoffed. Ooh, you're burnt, Harrison, hooted Jeff Lynn. You're all burnt, shouted Dixie. Silence! cried a hunched, hooded cultist. Everyone got quiet. Sorry, I mean Silas, not silence. Brother Silas, please pass judgment on these trespassers. An old man hobbled to the altar, milky eyes half fixed on the band, half beyond fixing. According to the bylaws, trespassers must be dropped into the lake of fire. A gasp went up from the cultists. We're gonna be literally burnt, Jeff Lynn yelled. If only. Unfortunately, the lake of fire died out years ago, and now all that's left is a relaxing hot spring. If we dropped them in there, we'd be obeying the letter of the law, but not the spirit. Punishment is key. Oh, come on, yelled Jeff Lynn. Don't worry, don't worry. It's not perfect, but I have a solution. We just bash their heads in with sticks. A cheer went up from the cultists, along with a terrified groan from the band. Tom Petty cut through the noise. Hey, wait just a minute! But beating our heads in with sticks isn't in the bylaws at all, is it? Well, no, not exactly. Exactly. You may want to follow the spirit of the law, but you can't just invent new ones. Can you? Old man Silas frowned, shook his head. Tom Petty looked relieved. Oh, thank God. We're not bothering anyone. Just let us take a hot spring dip and let Dixie come back with us and we'll be out of your hair. Everybody wins. Immediately, screams of dissent filled the cavern. 
the gist of which was that the cultists did not feel like this was a win. You can't take Dixie, if that is her real name, because we need her for the ritual. Even suggesting that makes me want to beat the hell out of you with a stick. Okay, okay, let's chill for a second. What if we played a concert for you? We can't do that if we're dead. Old man Silas shrugged. Eh, you're too old. I think we'll just hit you with sticks, thanks all the same. The cultists started jumping up and down, chanting something that sounded like English, but that was still somehow indecipherable. Maybe because of the jumping. We're all gonna die, cried Jeff Lynn unnecessarily. Wait, wait, shouted George Harrison over the din, managing to quiet the cultists down enough to speak. Now, you have something we want, namely Dixie and our lives. That's true. However, we also have something you want. Something besides music that you can't get if you're dead. We're some of the biggest rock and rollers in history, and each of us has tons of influential connections. That's something groups like yours are always after, yes? There was a murmur of consent, but we can't both have what we want. The only fair way to choose who gets the pie is to have a contest. Surely there's something in your bylaws that provides for this? Old man Silas tugged at his milky ear, which leaked milk. Well, there are the statues providing for devilishly ironic trials inflicted on interlopers. I suppose that sort of fits. I don't like the sound of this, said Jeff Lynn. <laughs> Howled Bob Dylan. The crowd was chanting trials over and over, although with how generally indecipherable they were, it could just have easily been smiles or plowshares or egg salad. It is decided, shouted old man Silas. Each of you will be given your own trial, best out of five, starting now. And with those words, he dumped a gallon jug of milk on his head. The cultists cleared an area in the middle of the cavern, forming a human ring surrounding the traveling Wilburys. Since you made the deal, you will have the first challenge, George Harrison. You are the dark horse the quiet beetle, and a vegetarian. In a cruel twist on only that last one, your challenge is to eat this bacon. All right, cried Tom Petty. Easy peasy, Harrison. You can hit the diet again tomorrow. No, yelled George. Eating flesh is against my religion and would despoil my bodily temple. I refuse. Excellent. You lose. One point for us. Tom Petty was furious. You idiot! It's one piece of bacon! What's wrong with you? What's wrong with factory farming, more like? George rejoined. We're all gonna die! cried Jeff Lynn, still unnecessarily. Next, we will test Mr. Tom Betty. Oh man, I'm not ready for this. Tom, you sing that famous line, and I won't back down. It's pronounced down. Regardless, to pass our challenge... You must back down. This steep cliff. No looking behind you and no falling over. Good luck. Tom was pushed back first to the edge of a steep subterranean decline. And now hold on a second. I, I don't... Started Tom. But before he could finish the thought, the gravel under his feet gave way and he slid backwards on a small avalanche, screaming all the way down to the bottom, arriving in a cloud of rock dust. Somehow... He was 
unharmed and upright, not having the time to even think about looking behind him. I'm alive! he cried, overjoyed. We're all still gonna die! yelled Jeff after him. One point for the traveling Wilburys, said old man Silas, unhappily. Let's move on. Roy Orbison, you're famous for your heart-wrenching ballads and dark sunglasses. But can you make someone cry with only your eyes? Staring contest. Whoever cries first loses. You'll be facing Sister Stoneheart. Roy and the aforementioned stone-hearted sister sat opposite each other. Both removed their sunglasses and stared into each other's eyes. And stared. And stared. And stared. And stared. And stared. Then Roy's lip trembled, and Sister Stoneheart's eyes welled, and they both burst out crying, hugging each other through big, racking sobs. Oh, well, that's a tie, I guess, announced old man Silas, disgusted. We have one for each side and a tie, and only two more Willberries to test. We could get into an all-tied situation, but luckily we didn't think of a trial for whoever this guy is. What? screamed Jeff Lynn, knowing without thinking that Whoever this guy is, was him. So it all comes down to Bob Dylan. Whichever side takes this, takes the whole game. Bob, you're a legend. So for you, no tricks. We're going to give you the chance to showcase your incredible poetry skills in our very first Slam Poetry Night. Common rhymes over enunciate, you know the deal. Your opponent this evening, a food processor grinding a rock. Bob Dylan was escorted to a makeshift stage, along with the food processor. Both were given microphones. You will be judged arbitrarily by three people who didn't graduate middle school. Your topic is globalization. And go! Now, The food processor sputtered, coughed, then died, a thick cloud of smoke billowing from the stage. Come on, Bob, you can't smoke in here, admonished old man Silas. Grumbling, Bob Dylan stubbed out his cigarette, and the smoke cloud dissipated. Judges? The panel of three uneducated judges pretended to look contemplative. 
Well, Bob seemed like he was consistently rhyming, while the food processor only rhymed a few times, so I'm giving it to Bob. Well, I felt like the food processor stayed on the topic of globalization more, uh, since it had a rock in it that was sort of shaped like a globe. I'm going food processor on this one. We've got a real nail-biter here. Judge number three, you're the tie-breaking vote. Well, on the one hand, the food processor really hurt my ears. But on the other hand, Bob Dylan also really hurt my ears. The food processor seems more committed to the work, since it sacrificed itself for the art. But then again, Bob wasn't made in Taiwan. This is a tough one. But I'm voting Bob, mostly for his pants. The traveling Wilburys cheered. Old man Silas's jaw hung open in an angry disbelief. You just handed them the win! Are you crazy? We lost the ritual! This was supposed to be rigged! My opinion can't be bought, man. The band high-fived, whooping with relief at avoiding another horrible fate. I guess you can't do your little ritual now, huh, boys? The cultists slumped in defeat. No, I suppose not. Well, what was that ritual for, anyway? Oh, what does it matter now? Oh, come on. Now that we're going to live, we need something to live for. Go on, tell us. Fine. It was going to be a promiscuity ritual. There is an ancient power under the earth here, and we were going to harness that to unleash the wild Bacchanal, an endless orgy on earth. The traveling Wilburys stopped in their tracks. Hold up. Well, that doesn't sound half bad. Actually, that sounds real good. Maybe we've been a little hasty here. Claudette. Dixie, change of plans. But Dixie was nowhere to be seen, the ample distraction giving her plenty of time to gnaw through her restraints and escape. Just then, Connie, Belinda, Una, and the imposter Bob and Jeff careened into the room, high out of their minds off of Martin Scorsese's Studio 54 supply. Connie stared sweaty and wide-eyed around the cavern full of cultists. This room's empty. Keep going, shouted Connie, hallucinating hard. Heedless of her instructions, the fake Bob and Jeff sprinted into the chamber, running straight into their real counterparts. Too startled to scream, the pairs stared at each other for a moment. Then, in strange unison, they grabbed each other by the temples. And then they all... And that's where where I run out of steam. I, I don't know what happens next here. So I need your help. Um, we've got the real Bob Dylan and the fake Bob Dylan, the real Jeff Lynn and the fake Jeff Lynn, who can tell the difference. We've got them clutching their heads. And I, I feel like something big is happening. Like there's a big thing here. Like why would they be clutching each other's temples? That's really specific. Is it because of the drugs? But why would the real people be doing it? Maybe they're not. I don't know. What? So tell me what this is. What are they doing? Or if you don't have that, just tell me what they do next. Do they hop around and fall over? Do they start quoting Nietzsche? 
I don't know. That's why I'm asking. So tell me, go to uh, Y-O-U-T-M-Wig on Twitter. And now, this is this is a, a big, big reveal. Now, this is very cool. Uh, you can also email your suggestions to me. If, you're, if Twitter's not your bag, you can always go Y-O-U-T-M-W-I-G on Twitter and tweet me your suggestions. But now you can... You can email suggestions at tellmewhereimgoing.com. That's suggestions at tellmewhereimgoing.com. And you can, you can email your suggestions. So, so do that. Do Twitter. Do the email. Whatever you do. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. You know the deal. It's like if you like a podcast, you do those things, and it makes the podcast stay around. All right. You're beautiful. Stay badass. And I'll see you on the other side. You've been listening to Tell Me Where I'm Going, a Let's Hear It production. To learn more, Visit letshearit.network.